Okay, let's talk about what we heard in the news in the last week or so, that BC has become the first province in Canada to provide universal coverage for some medications to treat opioid use disorder. Now, the argument is that that's more cost-effective to treat in this way than to deal with the effects of opioid use in the population. But you know, we wanted to explore that a little bit more, talk more about it. So Dr. Bowden Nozick is an Associate Professor of Health Sciences at Simon Fraser University. He has studied this issue and joins us now. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure, Simi. How much does opioid use disorder cost us? Like what kind of a, a cost is that in the healthcare system? We don't think of it just in raw dollars because it comes from a range of different places. Uh, if we're not paying for medicine, we're paying for emergency visits and hospitalizations and crime victimization and everything that comes along with it. So the medicine itself is not that expensive. Um, a lot of the cost of the treatment is rolled up into what we pay pharmacies and what we pay doctors as, as well as like labs for um, the urine drug screening that happens alongside treatment. Okay, so what did you think then of this news uh, from the provincial government last week that they are going to uh, provide the treatment for opioid use disorder for free? Uh, I think it needed to happen. I think it's long overdue. Um, You know, keep in mind, a lot of people are already receiving coverage for this treatment. If you're on social assistance, if you're on one of the other special pharma care plans, you're already getting this for free. Um, They, the province actually soft launched this through their expansion of the plan G, which was, um, which was a special plan designed uh, initially for mental health medications for people who couldn't afford them. Um, the expanded plan G to cover OAT um, about five or six years ago, we showed in the provincial health admin data that it worked. Um, it's one of the few things that's worked to keep people on to treatment. People discontinued about 12% less uh, than we expected them to over an 18-month stretch uh, when we evaluated it then. So this is long overdue, and, and it will make a, a positive uh, positive impact. So you, I know you've looked at the costs of this, haven't you? Yes. Okay, so what did you find in terms of the cost savings? You talked about what, what opioid disorder costs us, but providing these kinds of drugs for free, will, will there be more uptake, do you think? Like, is it, is it, was cost a barrier to some people, in your, in your opinion, or from your research? Yeah, I think cost is a barrier for some, just, uh, just to stick with it. Um, but I'll emphasize that, you know, a lot of the cost, I'll, I'll come back to pharmacies, doctors, labs, pharmacies especially, um, and I think um, the added cost of paying for these, people, these people's out-of-pocket payments, it will more than be offset by changes that we're expecting to see in uh, the clinical guidelines that are coming for OUT. Basically, um, when you're on this kind of treatment, uh, for the most part, people have to come in every day to pick up their medications from pharmacy. Right. Every time that happens, the pharmacy charges a dispensing fee as well as well as a witness ingestion fee. And that runs the province an extra 30 to $50 million a year compared to if we were just asking them to come in once a week or once every two weeks. Now, we have a good idea that this change is coming. Um, the U.S. and Ontario both relaxed restrictions for take-home dosing during the COVID era, and the sky didn't fall. People stayed on treatment 
There weren't, uh, there wasn't an uptake in um, drug-related deaths where uh, the treatments were indicated. Um, all signs are pointing uh, towards us relaxing our restrictions and, and making it easier for people to stick with this kind of treatment. So do we know what the barriers are? Like if we're making it easier for people to get it and that the treatment can be effective, why isn't, I guess, there more uptake of it? Well, it's it's a few different factors. Uh, like I say, if people are coming to pharmacy every day to pick up their meds, I, I don't know about you, I know that I couldn't stick with that kind of treatment. Uh, if they're having to go across town to uh, a lab to provide their urine screens up to like once a week, that's a problem. Um, you know, people have trouble engaging with the healthcare system as it is. Um, and the other issue here is that um, we're, we're chasing uh, a changing epidemic, right? Over the past six years, fentanyl has hit the streets. It's completely overtaken heroin as the, as the drug of choice, and that's a much more potent opioid. And we've struggled to, to keep up with the dosing. Um, so OAT is, is a substitution treatment. You're trying to eliminate the withdrawal symptoms a person is having by substituting a different kind of drug that doesn't provide euphoria. That's the treatment. And um, tolerance has gone way up, and we simply haven't been able to, to keep pace with that. And it's one of the reasons why retention is such a problem uh, in this province. It's been declining for 12 years straight, and this is why the province chose to act at this time. So do you feel like, and I think you alluded to this a little bit, is that this is the beginning. You feel there are more accessibility changes coming? Yeah, there have to be. Um, you know, take-home dosing is, is a big factor, but I mentioned urine drug screening. That's something that we do a lot of. It's not an evidence-based practice. Nobody's ever tested whether uh, doing regular urine drug screening as much as on a weekly basis actually helps people stay on treatment and helps doctors make decisions. Um, we spend another 6 to $10 million a year on urine drug screening, and we really don't, haven't until very recently, known what it's done for us. And um, our most recent work is showing that it's really not worthwhile to, to use beyond uh, the induction period, beyond the first few weeks that people are getting onto treatment. So in your opinion then, Dr. Nosek, can all of these things make a difference? Can we help significant numbers of people beat opioid use disorder? It's going to take a multi-pronged solution. I think there's a lot of, there are a lot of different things that we need to do um, to, to make treatment more accessible and easier to stick with. But it's, that's just one piece of the puzzle. Um, this province has had a really strong emphasis on harm reduction that alone is, is not going to do it either. When I talk about harm reduction, I'm talking um, naloxone kit distribution, supervised consumption sites. Those are all useful, but it's none of these things is going to win the war, so to speak, on its own. We need to spend more time um, thinking about prevention, uh, dealing with mental health. Um, we've found in our provincial data something like three out of four people with opioid use disorder had uh, a pre-existing mental health condition. So this is uh, a challenge that we need to face head on. And of course, um, you know, inequality, uh, poverty, we need to deal with some of these key drivers uh, if we're going to have a meaningful impact on the epidemic. Three out of four. What a statistic. Uh, Dr. Nosek, thank yeah. you so much for joining us this morning. No problem. My pleasure.